What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck and Jerry sitting in for Dave, and this is Short Stuff. Short Stuff! That's right. All about something that, uh, and big thanks to MentalFloss.co and how emotions are made, but the big thing that happens to a lot of people is when and for me, it happens when I say a word out loud too many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never had the experience of writing a word too many times. Oh, really? No, I guess because I just don't sit around and write the same word over and over. But um, <laughs> it's it's the idea that if you say something or write something over and over, that word starts to sound weird or look weird. It Then it starts to completely kind of fall apart the more you do it to the point where you're like, what even is driveway? Right, it does, and it becomes just a a string of sounds, or if you're just seeing it visually, a string of letters. Yeah, it's a phenomenon. It is. Yeah? It's it's an actual thing. It's called semantic satiation, and it's actually a kind of a window into the way our brain works. I believe to conserve energy, but we'll dive a little more into it. The thing is, um, semantic satiation is is not new. We've been probably doing it ever since we've been speaking or writing words, yeah. right? So, say, mm-hmm. Bronze Age. Um, and it was first described, semantic satiation was first described in 1907 in the American Journal of Psychology. Should I read it? I think you should, because I think it gets <laughs> it across really well. All right. Uh, if a printed word is looked at steadily for some little time, it will be found to take on a curiously strange and foreign aspect. Mm-hmm. This loss of familiarity in its appearance sometimes makes it look like a word in another language, sometimes proceeds further until the word is a mere collection of letters mm-hmm. and occasionally reaches the extreme where the letters themselves look like meaningless marks on the paper. Right. So these psychologists who were describing it back in 1907 are basically focused on seeing it written. Right. Again, that's how I've normally experienced it. And the best way to experience it is to just have one word, that one word typed out on paper, right? Because mm-hmm. it's in isolation and it quickly falls apart. But they they nailed something, I think, in their description. It's a loss of familiarity. It just doesn't, it's not itself any longer. And it's completely subjective to you because the person sitting next to you might not be experiencing that. While you are, you're just lost in the sea of unfamiliarity and the word driveway just doesn't make sense anymore. Right. And I guess what I was saying was writing or typing it over and over. You don't have to do that even. It can just be looking at it yes. on paper right. over and over. Because I was thinking it might make sense in the first days of writing when they were using writing longhand to do like logging uh, pounds of wheat or whatever. Sure. Like writing the same word over and over might have done it, but that's not necessarily the case. No, but it can happen like that. Right. Yeah. So there's a guy named Leon James. He's the guy who who um, uh, coined the term semantic satiation. There's other terms for it too. Word decrement. It's gross. Extinction. Gross. Reminiscence. Yeah. 
a little too mm. broad. Verbal transformation, that's a good one. But semantic yeah. satiation is the one that everybody said. That's that's the one. Yeah, and that happened in 1962. Uh, he's a professor, or was at least a professor of psychology at the University of Hawaii, mm-hmm. at their College of Social Sciences. And he did some interesting, uh, I mean, he described it as a, he did some experiments we'll talk about in a minute, but he described it in a way that also kind of helps drive it home as a kind of fatigue. Right, yeah. Uh, and basically, like, he explains how when a cell fires, it's going to take more energy for it to fire the second and third time on down the line. And once you get down to, like, the fourth time that cell is firing, apparently it won't even respond unless you wait a few seconds. And so I guess is he likening that to re- the repetition of the word? Yeah. He's saying if you if you just expose yourself to the to the word the first time, your brain's going to go through the process of recalling all the memories and emotions and everything attached that you have attached to that word. Right. And then if you do that again, if you just think or look at the same word or hear the same word again, it's going to do it again, but it's going to be like, okay, I don't know why we're doing this again. Third time, it's going to sigh heavily while it's doing it. The fourth yeah. time, it's just going to stand there with its arms crossed and say, I'm not <laughs> recalling any of this stuff. And again, it's probably because the brain likes to conserve energy as much as possible, and it's being presented with the same stimulus over and over again. And it's like, I've already I've already done my job here. I don't need to keep doing it. This is a waste of energy, literally. And that process does not apply just to semantic satiation. Semantic satiation is a type of a larger phenomenon, which is what I just described, called reactive inhibition. And that's the same thing that's behind going nose blind to the smells in your house. That's a right. type of reactive inhibition, too. Yeah, which was the most disturbing thing I've learned ever on the show. It is, because it's not great to come back to your house a week later and be like, this is what my house really smells like. I know. It's sort of that uh, we just tend to live with our head in the sand. I think that's how I'm going to proceed on that yeah, one. That's a, Because if not, then what? You just know your house smells like rotten right. tangerines or something? <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this uh, after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody. It's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. 
Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. S-Y-S-K. All right, here's a very fun thing that Leon James did. He did a lot of different research mm-hmm. on how this can be applied on not just words, but other things. And I find this fascinating, uh, and we'll jump back to the stuttering thing, but the the music uh, charts, like the you know Billboard Top 100 or whatever, Yeah, he studied this. And he found a correlation where songs that that really hit the the top of the charts really really fast also went off the charts really really fast, and songs that kind of worked their way up the top one hundred or whatever mm-hmm. uh, to the top ten, let's say, also faded away very slowly. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's basically semantic satiation is a type of burnout, and you can burn out on hearing the same thing and your brain being triggered by it over and over again. And the thing that's going to storm the charts is going to get the most airplay, so everybody's going to get sick of it faster. It's going to lose its effect more quickly. That's a pretty clever way of showing that by looking at the pop charts. Yeah. But it's not just like... The, the the charts themselves that show it, the songs, individual songs have that same effect. Anybody who's listened to any song made by Journey now in 2023 knows that you can burn out on a song right. after hearing it too many times. Yeah. It's, a, it's sad but true. Journey's songs are so great. But if I hear Don't Stop Believing one more time, I'm going to drive my car into a traffic pole. Yeah. I, I had, especially with classic rock, I have a lot of instances of bands that— I loved, loved, loved forever, and then I was just like, I can't hear it, any of it anymore. Right. But then, 15 years later, I'm back on it. Right, right. Well, that's another feature of semantic satiation. Like uh, Leon James said, uh, if you're, or the 1907 old-timey psychologist said, if you wait a little bit, um, it'll come back to you. It's a temporary thing where your brain is like, oh, okay, I'm being presented with this again, and it's new enough. Um but you can also get easily burned out on that same stuff even faster after it comes back that second time, right? Yeah, I think so. And classic rock is a great example because that's the genre that refuses to go away. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's one where you turn it on any classic rock station and you're going to hear that Journey song or that Boston song yeah. that you just may not be able to handle anymore that you used to love. Right, exactly. Um, What's interesting about it, though, is so like the words themselves lose their meaning. They stop evoking the the emotion or the thought or the association or the conceptual information that you attach to that those words, and the 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 words become like musical notes. It's like the the vocals Mm -hmm. become the same thing as an instrument, like a guitar or something like that. And if you stop and think about it, like. You know all the words to Don't Stop Believing, mm-hmm. 
But they rarely have that same, well, I shouldn't say rarely. It depends on the person. But they it can very easily not have any impact on you whatsoever. It's, I mean, it can still evoke emotion, but the words right. themselves aren't making you think of what Steve Perry's saying. And Steve Perry is actually a really good example of that because his vocals are so melodious that it's very easy for them to transition into music rather than words, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can be a small-town girl living in a lonely world and still feel nothing when that song comes up if you've heard it too many times. Nothing. <laughs> Except rage. Uh, I think it's interesting that words, a word can spark an emotion or be tied to an emotion, period. Just like seeing a word on a piece of paper, uh, and they've used examples, I believe, like, you know, even seeing the word anger can, like, kind of prime the pump for you to be angry. It doesn't necessarily make you angry, but it can spark an emotion in you to that, that sort of gets you headed in that direction, right? Right, yeah, like you can be primed to feel anger, whereas if you're if you see that word anger written down or something like that, um, and something comes along that would make you angry, you're more likely to become angry at that thing if you've seen that word. So yeah, that whole semantic satiation thing reveals that that fact that words have that effect. They have emotional attachments. They can evoke emotions in us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, I did I mention cool too. Uh, stuttering at the beginning. And we'll probably just close with this a little bit. Leon James did. He was like, well, I wonder if I could apply this to people who stutter. And let me do this experiment where I, where I call people who have a stutter over and over again all day long mm-hmm. and talk to them and see how much I can annoy them. Uh, but what he found was the more he called, the less they stuttered. Uh, so the the stress of receiving that phone call uh, mm-hmm. apparently seems like it had been satiated as well. And, yeah, that's not this probably the same thing as semantic satiation. I, I agree. I think that's just Leon James showing off. I think so, too. But what it basically shows is it's the same thing as exposure. Like, if you fly in an airplane a bunch yeah. and you're afraid to fly, you're going to become less afraid to fly over time. Mm-hmm. Um, one way to explain it is that you're showing yourself there's actually nothing to be afraid of. Another one is that you're actually stimulating that stress or that anxiety enough times that your your brain's just like, forget about it. I'm done. I'm satiated. Yeah, very interesting. It is interesting. The brain is interesting, Chuck. It certainly is. Well, Chuck agreed with me, everybody, so I'm going to end on a high note and say short stuff is out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.